Hey everybody, welcome back to My White Belt in episode number three. It is a beautiful blue sky, sunny spring day here just north of Boston, Massachusetts. I am freshly back from getting a haircut. I love haircut day. What does haircut day have to do with jujitsu besides absolutely nothing? On a normal day, it wouldn't accept that. Our little barber shop is owned and operated by one of our blue belts, Damien Savoya, and his buddy, a fellow blue belt at our school named Owen Ricker. They are the barbers that we all go to for our haircuts. So I always feel better after haircut day. I particularly feel better getting my haircut from guys that I trained jiu-jitsu with, and then our coach came in to get a haircut. So it was jiu-jitsu day at the barbershop, old school barbershop, two young guys who train jiu-jitsu, and they're covered in tattoos, and they like to fake that they're grumpy, but they're really good guys. So today is going great for me. I hope that you guys are having a great day. The other cool thing about living in a small town with a bunch of people that you train jujitsu with is it really reminds you of one of the best parts of training, which is the friendships that form. And I got to tell you, if if you're listening, if you if you've been listening to the podcast and you haven't started training yet because of those butterflies or the sort of intimidation factor that you feel before you walk into an academy for the first time. I have to tell you, at least the vibe at our school is that not only our new guys and gals welcome with, I like to say welcome with choking arms. We also are people that I think you'll find that the jiu-jitsu community across the board provides some of the best friendships that you could ever wish for. There's a thing that happens with jiu-jitsu where you're you're in a situation where, first of all, you're so physically close to your training partners. That's number one. And number two, there's a level of trust and communication that are required you literally really can't train jiu-jitsu regularly with people that you that you don't trust or that you can't communicate with. So those two things are essential for any relationship, but they are paramount in jiu-jitsu. So today was crossover. It was friendship and I guess I guess it was friendship, trust and communication in the barbershop today, which if I can't trust a guy, uh, if I can't trust a guy to honor a tap, then I definitely can't trust him to cut my hair, which, you know, it's their jujitsu friendship, so they like to make fun of how little hair I have left on my on my ever increasingly bald head. But that aside, trust, friendship, fun, great great times this morning and that was the case also last week if you listened we I got to have a conversation with Shane Mount from Rain Jiu-Jitsu and I think I mentioned this during last week's episode that it's literally just an an incredible thing when you're when you're connecting with somebody that trains and you sort of speak the same language and you're part of that same subculture that Shane and I both indicated several times after recording that we felt like we had been friends 
We felt like we had been friends for 20 years and we had never spoken before, but there's a, there's a thing that's in the air around people that train. So all of this to say that if you are intimidated by the idea of training jujitsu, I think most of the jujitsu players that I've talked to and the schools that I've interacted with, it's the same thing. People just, you know, obviously you get an occasional meathead. That is shockingly rare. Jiu-jitsu seems to sort of weed out the meatheads pretty quickly. I mean, obviously it's not meathead free, but the, the kind of folks that we encounter are really, or at least the kind of folks that I've encountered are people that I'm honored to not only train with, but be friends with. Shane was no exception. So if you haven't listened to that episode number two with Shane Mount, I recommend it. I got a lot out of talking to him, and I just see him as somebody that I'm going to probably wind up being friends with forever. Maybe take a trip out to Boise, Idaho, and hang out with those rain with those rain jujitsu guys and have some fun. Uh, one of the things I wanted to highlight in this episode that Shane was talking about was at the end of the interview, I said, so you as a black belt, and you might remember, he got his black belt in ju- in judo. He had already had a black belt in judo and came from a judo family when he started training jiu-jitsu at 18. Now he's either a one or a two-stripe black belt. He's competed in worlds. He has owned multiple schools. Just a really interesting guy, but... The question was, what position after all this experience and all this training, what position do you still not want to be in? And he made the point that if he gets a if he gets a two hundred and thirty pound blue belt or you know few stripe couple stripe white belt that puts him in a really tight heavy side control, that he's not psyched to be there. That's still that's still challenging. We we made some jokes about it, but maybe you are relatively new to your training. Maybe you're in your first in your first few months or weeks and you find yourself getting in positions over and over and over again where you just feel helpless. And maybe it's just happening and you're not saying anything about it and you're just getting stuck there and you're feeling perpetually embarrassed and frustrated. So I just want to open with a piece of free advice. It's worth every cent and I think Shane would agree. And this is something that we talk about a lot in our school, which is situational rolling. Finding that position that you hate being in and putting yourself in it intentionally over and over and over again my my first year in my first year of jujitsu i would roll with one of our coaches mike frizzy frizzy got his brown belt a few months ago he's a he's a a great a great jujitsu coach and an interesting guy all all around but there was this thing he kept doing to me and i'm not even And I'm not even sure how he would do it, but basically I would be in mount and he would somehow trap my hand behind my back. So I'd be on my back. He would have me mounted. 
I don't know, maybe I was like bridging and trying to come up, trying to do something, and he would trap my hand behind my back, and I was stuck over and over again. And he finally looked at me one day, and he said, I'm going to do this every single time we roll until you don't let it happen, or when it happens, you get out of it. It was a really bizarre place to be. And... Once I knew that that was like an intentional thing, putting me in that in that position for my own good, you know, I mean, on one hand, it's kind of funny at the same time to just wind up with your hand stuck behind your back with a, a giant at the time purple belt on top of you. But, it, you know, there's a there's a method to that madness that says, hey, you know, you, you're winding up here a lot. So if you're winding up here a lot, let's just not, let's not pretend that you're not winding up here and let's not just, you know, and not, let's not just flail and freak out and, and, and what would normally happen. Start putting yourself intentionally in that position so that when you start a roll, if you're having a hard time with side control and you're working side control escapes, have your training partner put you in side control. And maybe over the course of a four or five minute roll, ask them to increase the pressure, increase the pressure, maybe add a little cross face. And you're trying to, you know, work your frames, work your bridges, work your escapes so that that becomes your focus and your roles become productive. Okay, Um, I guess uh, the only other thing that I want to say before we get into some some voicemails is. Thank you for listening. I I put out I put out a some kind of I think a story or a message or something about me getting getting a note from Brazil and I am blown away by people who are listening to my white belt literally all over the world. And when I say all over the world, I mean South America, Africa, Asia, Oceania, Europe, uh, I mean Ireland, Brazil, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Switzerland. I'm, I'm looking at this list. Mexico, Italy, Finland, Croatia, Dominican Republic, Portugal, the Philippines, Austria. People are listening in Poland. I mean, this list is ridiculous, and I I you know, the fact that someone in Japan is hanging out here with us is beyond my wildest dreams of what I ever would have thought the reach of our time together would have been like. So I just want you to know that I am immensely grateful. And now let's get into some voice messages. Hey, this is Brad. My question is about stripes. I got my first one a few months ago, and I'm wondering what I have to do to get my next one. It's honestly, it's been frustrating because I go three or four times a week and I'm trying really hard. I'm just, I'm not sure what I'm missing. So if you could give me any advice, I'd really appreciate it. Um, love the Instagram and the new podcast, and it's been super encouraging. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Brad, wherever you are, and thanks to everybody who's been sending in messages. So 
Let's just talk about stripes and promotions for a little bit today. Everybody's got, everybody seems to have a different opinion. And the broad spectrum of opinions around promotions are people who say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant, don't think about it, don't think about stripes, don't think about promotions, that's not why we're training, and you shouldn't care, and people saying, I don't think we should have stripes, and I don't know. That's one position. And then another position is people that are so obsessed with getting stripes and getting promotions and getting a new color belt and that that seems to be their complete motivation for for training. I, as you might imagine, would like to be a balanced voice around this. The first thing that I want to say is that belts and stripes and promotions are not irrelevant. There's a reason that we have ranks and there are reasons that stripes are given out. And there are reasons that stripes are given out to not only kids, but at most academies, adults get stripes as well. Before we get into that, let me just say that every school has their own customs. They have their own way of doing things. And obviously, I train at a school that gives stripes to adults. And like every jiu-jitsu school I've ever seen, certainly does belt promotions and that sort of thing when people are ready. But it makes sense that you are going to align with whatever your school's customs are. So... Whether you're, regardless of how your professor or coach or school handles promotions, just you have to trust your coach. Your your coach has reasons for doing things the way they do things. And, you know, most of us, most of, most of us here are not black belts. If you're listening and you're a black belt, uh, I'm super grateful that you would give time to this. A beginner podcast from a purple belt. So, Brad, your question is, what can you do to get to get more stripes? And I would begin with the question, why do you want stripes? This doesn't get into this doesn't get into why your coach gives or doesn't give stripes or any of that it is really just speaking to your motivation. What about getting a stripe is important to you? And I'm not just asking that question to Brad. I'm asking that question to anybody that can hear the sound of my voice. If you're like Brad and you're really excited, well, I mean, I don't even know if excited is the word, if you are upset or dismayed because you're not getting stripes that you think you've earned, what is it about getting that stripe that's important? Is it because you want people to look at you and think that you are great because you've got stripes on your belt? Is it because you are, you know, 
so tired of being a white belt and you just can't wait to have a colored belt around your waist? I think each of us has to check in around why we're doing this. What is your reason for training jujitsu and why do we want stripes? And I will admit, I like getting stripes. When I was when I was a white belt and I was up for my blue belt, I was I was so desperate to get my blue belt. I'm just I'm just being honest with you. And I don't know and I don't know why I got this into my head, but there was this week and I was convinced for some reason that I was getting my blue belt this week. And at our school, we don't test. You don't test for ranks at my school. At my school, you train. And, you know, Liam will come up and he'll say, hey, here's a list of things that, I, that I'd like to see you working on for your growth and your progression in the art. But I, I just don't know what it was. But I literally had it fixed in my head that I was getting my blue belt on this particular week and Monday came and I didn't get it and Tuesday came and I didn't get it and by the time we got to Friday by Friday I was so convinced that this was the day that I was going to get my blue belt and my coaches are they're funny like they're fun funny guys their jujitsu is great and as people, they're some of the funniest human beings that I've ever met in my entire life. And I got it in my head that they were going to like, just they were like torching, torturing me and that class ended. This is how sure I was that I was getting my blue belt. I didn't get it during class. And I thought that I was going to walk down to my car and that it was going to be sitting on my on the hood of my car and that they were going to follow me out. And I have just no idea why I have no idea why I thought that, but I was, I was so uh, like bummed that I didn't get my blue belt when I thought I was getting my blue belt. And now, you know, now it's been a while and, you know, I'm growing up slowly, I guess in jujitsu, but I can get like that a little bit and it's because and it's not because I think I'm great and it's not because I think it's not because I think I'm great and it's not because I think I deserve it. I think that it's everybody likes getting a pat on the back. Everybody likes to know that they're doing well at what they have decided to do. And the problem is, the, the, the problem starts when that pat on the back becomes more important than the training. The win, the great reward, the prize, the ultimate prize that you receive is that you get to train jiu-jitsu. You get, you get jiu-jitsu, you get the technique, you get the workout, you get the community, 
you get the you get the friendship you get every single thing that comes from training jujitsu just by showing up and training jujitsu that is your prize that's what you win Someday you will have a black belt tied around your waist and you will cry and you will be excited and you will be, I don't know, whatever you might be. But the question of what do I have to do? And and look, so basically, Brad, what I'm saying to you is I get it. Like I totally get I totally get the importance of stripes and promotions as markers in your progress and letting you know that you're moving in the direction for something that you're working really hard on. And I also get that for a lot of us, if we're honest, maybe we were raised in situations where we did not get a lot of affirmation as kids and that having your coach affirm you by giving a stripe and then being able to go to your friends and family and be able to say to them, hey, I've accomplished this thing. And to then again, get people that are going to say good job. There's a lot of us who grew up without a lot of that. And so I and so I get it. But we're grown ups now. We're grown ups now. And the need for affirmation it's not wrong for you to want to be affirmed but that is not going to be it's not going to be something that really serves you as an adult and if you are stripe obsessed and promotion obsessed it's not something that is going to serve you in jujitsu and i'm just going to help you out and listen you know who you are if you're hearing what I'm about to say, you know who you are. If you are somebody who fishes for compliments, if you're somebody who hints to your coach about wanting stripes and wanting promotions, but if you're somebody who fishes for compliments outside of jujitsu in your normal life, it's not mature and it's not becoming. And it's a marker, it's an indicator that there might be some deeper work for you to do, not only in jujitsu, but in life as well. So, and listen, if it sounds like I'm being a little too woo-woo or trying to be too much of a psychologist here, I'm not. I just am, I think that the heart, I think the heart of the matter is a little deeper for a lot of us. So you're not alone if if what I'm talking about regarding not getting pats on the back and looking for ways to feel affirmed, if that lands with you, that's just between you and I. I know that that's part of my story, but I know that it's part of my story, but it's not the whole story. And when I was moving towards Purple Belt, it felt very different. And I still wanted, I was still excited to get my Purple Belt but it was very, very different and still in all of that stuff now a few years in is, is very different than it was when I was first starting out. One other thing that is very important to note, never under any circumstance ever ask for stripes, never 
ask for promotions. It is not done. It's bad etiquette. It's bad form. It's bad form across the board, I think, in just about every martial arts community. Don't hint at stripes. Don't drop what you think are subtle hints to your coach or your professor or other higher-ranking teammates that you train with. You're going to get them when you get them. So not to go on and on, but your reward is training jiu-jitsu. And if you continue to train jiu-jitsu, you're going to get stripes. We had a we had a student the other night, new guy. He's about I think he's just a little I don't know. He's been training for a little bit. When he first came in, he was like crazy man, just just like wild. He was he was just one of those one of those white belts that really needed to be tamed. And he uh, and he after a few weeks, he really he got it together. He really got it together and has turned into a uh, has turned into a great a great training partner. But he got his first stripe. Uh, was that last night? Yeah, he got his first stripe last night. And I, I get to teach our beginner program as a purple belt. I don't give stripes. I give stripes based on my coach saying, "Hey." so-and-so is ready for a stripe, give them a stripe at class tonight if they don't train, if they don't get to train with Liam much. So I I got to put the stripe on his belt on behalf of Liam, and I looked at him and I said, you've done everything in the last month or so that you need to do to get a black belt. All you have to do is keep repeating this process. So Brad, you have to show up. You have to not be stripe-focused. You have to not ask for stripes. You need to do your best. You need to show up. You need to do your warm-ups. You need to do your drills. You need to roll smart. Uh, if you get to roll with your coach or if you get to roll with people who are reporting back to your coach, you want to make sure that you are, during rolls, trying to work the techniques that they're actually teaching um, it's not going to. It's just not going to go well for you if you're half-assing it and expecting to get rewarded. There's this whole thing on going around on Instagram that says don't complain about the thing that you didn't achieve based on the work you didn't do or something like that. So, assuming that you are that you're giving it your all and that you're training smart and that you're not you know, a white belt who's trying to heel hook people or being weird with like stuff you've learned on YouTube, you're, you're going to get them. I think that the question that I want to answer is how do I get great at jujitsu? And you get great. I think, I think that for those of us who are just beginning, really when we're rolling, working on doing what we know, what our coach has been teaching learning how to learning how to posture up, getting good positions, really showing up, being attentive during during drills, being a good training partner, contributing to your school and being an all-around good training partner, especially in your early days is just, you know, that's what's going to make you great at. That's what's going to make you great at jiu-jitsu. Trying too hard, spazzing, freaking out, tapping way too early. Um, being, as I indicated during episode one, acting like a baby, none of those things are going to make you great at jiu-jitsu. And there's a curve. 
and you're going to find at different markers at different points in time you're going to look at yourself and you're going to look at your game and you are going to feel like oh okay now i know that that thing that i was doing i probably shouldn't do that thing or thinking oh there's this other thing this other approach to training that i'm going to really make sure i i i do that i am an older jujitsu player I'm 51. I started training at 47 and it wasn't up until this past year that I really started taking stretching seriously. So yeah, that's a miss. That was like a two and a half, three year miss in my training that my coach was saying, are you stretching? Are you stretching? Are you stretching? And I was like, yeah, I stretch a little bit, kind of like a little bit before class, but now I take that seriously. And it's those little things, you know, how do you get stripes or how do you get better at jujitsu? How do you live off the mat? Are you drinking too much? Are you eating like garbage? Is your life outside of jujitsu undisciplined? Because all that, your lifestyle is going to play into how you perform in jujitsu. No question about it. I want to do an entire episode on like lifestyle stuff. We could probably do a bunch of episodes on lifestyle stuff. Today is a shorter, we're going to, I'm going to sort of intermingle the way these episodes go. I kind of have a, I'm just going to say this. I'm supposed to interview somebody on Friday, tomorrow, no, yeah, today's Wednesday. I'm supposed to interview somebody on Friday for the podcast that I will announce this weekend But I will say that if everything goes to plan, next week's episode is going to be way different, really cool, somebody that I think a lot of us follow and appreciate on Instagram has agreed to come on and have a conversation. So sorry to be cryptic with that. Continue to submit your questions if you go to mywhitebelt.com, you can, there's a little thing now where you can just send a voice recording right from your phone or your computer so you don't have to use your phone. And the audio quality on it is really, really good. We've got a bunch of you sending in questions. I appreciate it. It's nice just to kind of be able to do these mini episodes. And then next weekend, next week will be a longer format again. If, you, if you're enjoying the podcast, this is what we say, is what you hear people say, and now I know that I have to say it, which is to, to, to like it, to subscribe, to share. I know it sounds cheesy. It, it's kind of like almost sounds like asking for stripes, but if you are getting value from this and you write a little review or you share it with a friend, it actually, it helps. It helps me and it helps spread jujitsu. And until next week, I hope you have a great week of training and be looking for an announcement this weekend on Instagram about next week's episode.